where ah there we are. I can hear myself now. I'm sure people out there could hear it anyway. Mm. Um, the um, city limits. It's a fourth Wednesday of the month, and we've got uh, we're going to have first up. Um, she doesn't realise it yet, but she's about to find out. <laughs> um, Kate Shaw, who was going to be on at nine thirty, we're going to put her on pretty shortly. Uh, from Melbourne, geographer and planner at Melbourne, of course, and. Um, Kate is going to talk to us about an item we raised last week, the move by the local government in Berlin to freeze rents, which mm. have been going through the roof, because Kate's done a lot of work on uh, the situation in Germany, a housing situation, and uh, she'll update us on that. That, in fact, came into effect last Sunday in the end, that, uh, that proposal. So, But the real estate industry and the federal government are all opposing it very strongly. But there's, In Germany? In Berlin. In where Berlin, right. Rents of, rents of, well, only 18% of people own their own homes, so mm-hmm. it's, um, it's a rental thing. But, but since, um, since the reunification, and they privatised a lot of public housing at that stage, um, mm. even though rents were low, they've now gone through the roof and many people have been forced out, etc. So there's an attempt to have a five-year freeze. I wonder if Airbnb has anything to do with it, or those kind of no accommodation things. Anyway, but... Kate will update us on all that. Well, uh, and we have another guest coming in after that, haven't we? We do. We have um, Steve, who's coming in to talk about universal basic income. Um, so there's a talk tomorrow in the evening in North Melbourne, which we can give more details about um, later. So um, universal basic income, it's been talked about. I think it gained a lot of ground because there was a presidential candidate in the American Democratic like primaries who was talking about universal basic income. But um, most of the people who talk about it are pretty pretty high on the capitalism uh, agenda like they're they're not they're not you know the working poor or no, anything like that right. they're you know pretty wealthy people so I don't know it's interesting it'd be um, in, interesting to explore it in terms of like how it yep. could work in Australia and I'm pouring tea while all that's going on as well when you say we'll give you details later does that mean you can't find them that's right correct now? yeah <laughs> thanks for like right. pulling away the veil of radio <laughs> Kevin <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that one into the conversation. I? Yeah, I felt like I dealt with that pretty smoothly, actually. And then there you go. That's right, exposed there again. There you go. <laughs> okay, now just before we go to Kate, and we'll go to her fairly shortly, um, this proposal by the government for councils to have four rubbish bins, including one specifically for glass, mm. and of course now they can put your food in so it gets... Um, it actually, um, if you haven't got a compost bin yourself, it gets, I've been doing that for ages now because in Moreland you can put your food into the green bin. Um, oh, can but, you? Yeah, and it gets composted if you haven't got your own compost bin. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Sometimes uh, I see them putting that bin into the same truck that came round earlier and right. took yeah, well, the normal garbage. You're just disillusioning me now, aren't I you? Feel, I feel getting a bit a, disillusioned get, myself. Getting your own back for my last comment. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Pull right. away that veil. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's complete hearsay. But, but anyway, and, yeah. the local rubbish four bin rule. The Herald Sun's got stuck into it. It found a family <laughs> who hates it. It's, that's what I've mentioned that. <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> they've okay. come out. It's it's not good. It's well, it's a it's an Andrews government thing, so obviously they hate it. Yeah. Um, now this though, I think though, in fairness, we do criticise the Herald Sun, but you've got to give them full marks for modesty, because <clears throat> mm. the um, the uh, nominations for the Quill Awards, which is a journalistic award here, yeah, um, were announced this week, and the opening paragraph is the Herald Sun's agenda-setting journalism, compelling images, wit and innovation have been recognised with 13 works shortlisted for Victoria's 2019 Quill Awards. Well, 2019 is last year. What's going on? Anyway, it's now 2020. Mm. But anyway, um, so there you are. But uh, agenda-setting, compelling images, wit and innovation. Mm. They're all modesty, aren't they? Mm. Well, you know, if it's true, it's true, you know. If it's if that's you know if that's what they're doing, then they're just reporting the facts. Well, in fact, it's worth mentioning and saying that that um, the Herald Sun um, came up with this um, piece in the last couple yesterday that one of the items put forward by the um, U.S. government through its its silk in in London in the in the Assange oh, uh, hearing. Yeah. One of the accusations against him was that when they assassinated Osama bin Laden, among his papers they found he'd been trying to get access to WikiLeak, and they <laughs> and they're using that God. as a case against Julian Assange. Really? So seeking access to anything, apparently. So okay. it, struck, it struck me that in terms of the Herald Sun, 
if people were seeking access to information from the Herald Sun, which would be false anyway, that's beside the point, I suppose, because they claim that, um, because they also claim Assange's stuff is false, but then they charge him for stuff mm-hmm. that they, yeah. But if that were the case, I reckon if, if Assange gets 175 years, according to the US, I reckon Rupert Murdoch could be doing about 400 years plus, life plus 400. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for yeah. I, I mean that sounds sound to me. Seeking access, apparently... Is a crime, and the, whoever you seek access from, therefore, is part of the crime, mm. according to that logic. Okay, wow. So there you are. Um, mm. The um, did I mention? Did anyone mention who we are today at all? No. We have we? <laughs> no. <laughs> Got Karina over there who's pressing buttons for us. I just realised that bit. Yeah. You're um, you're Meg Kimber, of course. Yes, Megan I Kimber, am. And I'm Kevin Healy, and this is City Limits. Yeah, I, we just burst into it, didn't we? And yeah. The way we went. Anyway, it doesn't yeah. matter. People don't need to. Uh, now, he, we know he's, he's wonderfully remarkable and he's the best person in the world. In fact, this week, in all modesty, speaking of modesty this week, Donald Trump said that oh boy. He's, he's, the event he was going to at some oval in, um, or some event, some venue in India would be you know, so big, it's going to be huge, he said. And he then said it could be the biggest event in India ever. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said that. <laughs> and if you think okay. about the history of India Pretty, over many, um, yeah. many eons, uh, <clears throat> yeah, anyway. Wow, yeah. But that, that brings me to this item, because Parasite, the Korean film, the South Korean film, mm-hmm. won the best film at the Academies. Yes. And Donald's come out and attacked the Academy for it. <laughs> what? He, he scorned them. He, he scorned them asking how a foreign movie could get the honour. How bad was the Academy Awards this year, he asked the crowd at a packed re-election campaign rally in Colorado Springs. Uh, we, got, we got enough problems with South Korea with trade. On top of it, they give them the best movie of the year. Oh, um, God. Yeah, and he said, "Was it good? I don't know." Which indicates, of course, he hasn't seen the bloody thing. Um, and the well, U.S. Or he just couldn't work it out. He's like, right. I don't know. Is it good or bad? Well, anyway, there you are. Uh, and Neon, the U.S. Yeah, maybe he saw it and had no idea. Neon, the U.S. distributor for Parasite, answered the president on Twitter, saying his opposition to the subtitled film was understandable. He can't read. Oh wow! So there okay, you are. That's pretty there good. You are. Yeah. Um, and of course, he he wants to get his mate Stone, a, cro- a business crony who did things for him in the election, um, released from jail. And when when in mm. fact tr- um, Stone did release those WikiLeaks WikiLeaks information that that fingered um, his opponent at the time, um, yeah. uh, he said, "I love WikiLeaks. I love yeah. WikiLeaks." But now he wants to put him he in jail like for seventy five years. No, yeah. yeah it's a, Bit yeah, strange. Really the only other worry when you see people, um, you know, typical politicians, I suppose, because everyone's talking about Bernie Sanders, the Democratic Socialist, but yeah. he was asked this week what he would do as commander in chief, and he said he would absolutely use the military if warranted, both to protect US interests and to support its allies. Mm. You know, so he's already starting to bend, isn't he? Um, yeah. Well, in an interview yeah. on CBS's 60 Minutes, he, he was asked in what circumstances Commander-in-Chief would deploy US military forces. He listed these criteria, threats against the American people, to be sure, threats against our allies. I believe that the United States, everything being equal, should be working with other countries in alliance, not doing it alone. Um, and Sanders, along with Biden and Bloomberg, also said he would consider using force to preempt an Iranian or North Korean nuclear or missile test. So, mm. you know, not good signs when he starts to do that mm. now, but there you are. Interesting. And the only other one I want to mention is a bloke called Mike Cannon Brooks, whose head leads this Atlassian. He's worth millions now. It's you know, a tech thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's been giving lots of money to the environment and, take, and making lots of comments and supporting the environment. Um, and he's recently said he's contributing $12 million to communities to get off grid energy supply in the wake of the bushfires, um, the floods and the storms, um, which is all very good. But if this story is true, and, uh, and the bloke who... It's in, the, um, it's in a, a column in the, in the Finn Review in which clearly the way it's written, the writer just doesn't like Cannon Brooks at all. Mm-hmm. But the writer claims that 
he's, his company has a, an arrangement in which it won't pay tax in Australia for years and years and wow. years and pays no tax. So well, you know, that's often the case is that these huge organisations yeah. make these philanthropic trusts and then they send the money yeah. from their profits to the trust, don't pay any tax yeah. on their profits, and then use the trust money to invest in things that further their ideologies. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. It's, uh, well, you see um, people saying they're giving so much, and then you find the next day they've made millions out of something else. And, yeah, yeah okay. and they avoid paying tax by that. Yep. Okay, let's get Kate Shaw on the line and talk some sense to her. All right. Okay, on the line, Kate Shaw, geographer at Melbourne. I won't keep asking you a title, but never work it out. Um, but Kate, uh, Kate, thanks for coming on. We, we got you a bit earlier than we planned, but um, we got another guest coming on in, in the second half of the show. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about an item we raised last week where Berlin is freezing rents for five years because of the fact that they've gone through the roof, so to speak, no pun intended. Um, since um, since reunification, essentially, and while well, only 18% of people in Berlin own their own homes, the rest people rent, but many are being forced out. And it came into effect, in fact, last Sunday. Um, and a, an article I read um, yesterday tells me that even in traditionally working class and immigrant neighbourhoods, um, they've become so gentrified that long-time tenants can no longer afford the rising rents. Um, I know you follow Berlin a fair bit. Can you talk about this to us? Yes. Um, <clears throat> and good morning. Good morning. Um, I've got uh, Meg with me as well, by the way. So, um, Morning, Kate. Hi, Meg. <laughs> um, yeah, well... well uh, Berlin has been sort of gentrifying um, for the last... 20 years, I guess. I mean, in the 90s, after the war came down, it was, you know, the tagline was poor but sexy. Um, it, you know, it was cheap rent, and so, you know, students and artists and activists and people from all over the world kind of flocked there. Uh, and, and oh, no, obviously, the, <clears throat> the whole scene and, you know, music and, and, and so on became a thing. Um, and... Um, it was sort of, it was mainly the fact that the property was so cheap um, that it became, uh, it was just a matter of time before developers and, mm. and landowners started realising that they could make a lot of money. And, 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 and in the last two decades, rents have more than doubled. Um, and in the last... Uh, in the last year, <clears throat> they increased by 20%. Uh, so there was a huge outcry. So there are two things that have happened. In 2015, um, there was a referendum. Um, no, no, there's this wonderful system of referenda in Germany where if you get the right number of... Hang on, I'm just moving. I'm coming back. Um, if you get the right, if, if, if you get enough signatures calling for a referendum, then you have to go into a second stage uh, where 
um, <clears throat> you need 50% of the vote um, to agree to have a referendum. And then if the referendum succeeds, um, it's binding. Hmm. So uh, there was a referendum to um, put to, to build a lot more social housing and um, to limit um, social housing rents to uh, a third of people's income, which is something that we find, we, we have a standard thing here. Um, in, in, in Germany, it was just kind of, well, in Berlin, it was just a kind of a fixed rate. Um, and it, it actually ended up, <laughs> because rents were so cheap, it actually ended up being higher than market rent. Kate, when um, you say social housing, is it publicly owned or is it like here they're now calling social housing run by various not NGOs, etc. About seven percent of Berlin's housing stock is public housing, um, <clears throat> owned and managed by the state. Then there's another eight percent or so, which is owned by state-owned housing associations. So that. The German housing market is, is, is much more diverse than mm. Australia. We, they don't just have public housing and private housing. Um, the, the, the state-owned housing takes many different forms. Um, and then there's a whole system of co-ops, which um, are collectively owned, not state-owned, um, that form a whole other you know, very affordable level. So it's mixed. But yes, there is there is state owned and managed. There is there is housing that is owned and managed by housing associations, housing associations, most of which themselves are state owned. Um, in some instances, because the state stepped in and bought them um, when they were previously private. So there's a nationalisation agenda going on in in, uh, in in Germany as well, which is very interesting. Um, but the the um, so there is a cap on social housing rents and, and, and a commitment to building um, 150,000 more units, social units, uh, in public and housing associations uh, combined. Uh, and then yesterday, a rent freeze <laughs> came in um, as well. Mm. What's the politics behind the rent freeze? Because it just it seems almost incomprehensible that anything like that would happen here. What's the environment? there that makes it possible? Um, well, it's got a red, red, green government. Mm -hmm. um, the city of Berlin is so that it's made up of... Hang on, I'm just moving again. Um, <clears throat> it's made up of the um, SPD, which is the Social Democratic Party, which is kind of equivalent to our Labour. Mm -hmm. um, um, it's got uh, it's a coalition of yeah, SPD and Die Linke, which is the left party, for which we have no equivalent, um, and then and the Green. What would be so, the equivalent? Is it what? Of Die Linke? Yeah. Uh, well, it's left of Labor. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Well, well left of SPD. Okay. Um, um, I don't know. Mm. Is there an Australian equivalent of anything left left of? Labor? Oh, nothing. Not not that can actually get into Parliament, unfortunately. No, there's there's well, there's, but even, there's parties even, that... even the doesn't even the doesn't. Oh, the social. I mean, I socialist guess, alliance. I guess it, maybe. Yes, I guess it's like the socialist alliance. Okay. I guess that's the equivalent. Yeah. Um, and and the and the green the green party in Germany is not particularly red. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's you know it's mm. it, it, it's mainly it's mainly um, focused on environmental issues. Um, In fact, federally, the Greens were part of the introduction of neoliberal economics to Germany at one stage. Yes, so, indeed, yeah, um, and 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 you know, as, as as often happens and is often critiqued in Germany, um, when the Greens are in power, they become um, you know as as soft as Labour. Uh, it's you know they're they're all they're always more radical when they're not in power. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's a, I think it's probably a sad truth of, 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 of you know, many political parties. Actually. Mm. But, anyway, so so as, as an SDD linker, yeah, yeah. So it's, so it's a Labor Socialist Green Alliance um, <clears throat> in in the Berlin government, and of course Berlin is is a city state. Mm. Um, there, there are there are three city states in Germany that um, uh, Berlin, Hamburg, and Bremen. So what that means is that the city government is also the state government. Mm. Um, as, again, there's lots of there's lots of historical anomalies in Germany. What's um, the population of Berlin, just for like comparison? Uh, about three point five million. So it's okay. um, it's a bit smaller than Melbourne, mm. um, but, but actually, but actually quite similar to Melbourne. Mm. So it would be it would be it would be like um, the Melbourne a Melbourne metropolitan government um, acting as a Melbourne and Mel- Melbourne City Council and state government mm. combined, mm-hmm. okay. uh, which gives it a lot of power, yeah. obviously, um, and so. There has been um, discussion about whether uh, this housing policy, you know, the rent freeze and the commitment to many more um, social housing units is actually legal, whether they, whether the, uh, the government has the power to do this. Um, and mm. it's an interesting question. So Germany, Germany has um, national housing policy and it also has national planning policy. But the cities um, are recognised in the national constitution. So they have a great deal of power to operate within the um, broad national housing and planning policies. Now, in planning terms, that means that they're basically free to set planning policy as they want. because the national planning policy is very kind of vague. It could make an interesting interesting case, Kate, because um, Merkel's uh, government and the real estate industry combined say they, they threatened to challenge the law, saying it violates the country's constitution, which stipulates that rents are set by the federal government, which could make for an interesting case, I suspect. Yes, it, it could, except that um, there has been recent legal advice in Berlin saying that they do have the power to do this because of the constitutional recognition of, 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 of local government. Yep. <laughs> so so it, it's, 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 interpret, it's interpretations of different aspects of the constitution that, that, um, that, that are now at odds. Mm. Um, and the, the, the current legal advice is, is, is that Berlin can do this. Uh, and if Merkel and the uh, the property industry make a challenge, um, it could be expensive and it could fail. Mm. Well, let's hope um, it's all there. Yes. Are they I suggesting? Hope. Are they suggesting, Kate, that all uh, rents across the board everywhere in Berlin are frozen, um, or are just the social housing and and those kind of um, properties? Um, it's 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 the social mm. it's social housing and it's low income private mm. rental. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, and the the uh, the law the law means that they can. Uh, <laughs> but there's a there's a, there's another quirk. <laughs> a private a, pri- a private owner can. Um, Come into um, an unrenovated building, and can, can say we want to renovate this building, and a tenant has to be able to agree to that renovation. And if they do, their rent can go up substantially. Oh shit! Hang on, someone's at the door. Uh, Play some music. Okay. Um. Kate's just having to deal with something on her end of the line, so we'll have a little break, will we? We'll have a little break and see what happens, yeah. Thanks, Karina. 3CR are selling kefir Palestinian starves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support 
Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black, or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us. Like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Okay, got Kate back on the line. Are you back there, Kate? Hello. And if we answered the door, we're not allowed to fix it. My world is a The freeze freezes at where it is now, and if if now the problem is that rents are very high, then they're going to still be very high for a lot of people, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And what yeah. about the? Um, oh. it'll, it'll, be, it'll be sorry, but it'll it'll be it'll be harder. It'll it, the theory is that even if you accept a renovation, it, the rent cannot go up so much that you have to move. Mm. That, I mean, that's the theory mm. behind it. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's just a way of basically evicting people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and that is that is how it has been used. Right, right. So the the, the idea is to wind that back so that nobody has to move. Because yeah. generally speaking, the the impression that I had gotten was that um, Berlin had very progressive uh, rights for renters that were a bit of a a beacon in terms of how we could go forward. You know, in a place like Australia where people can't increasingly can't afford to buy their own home that um, renters actually had a lot of rights as if they were almost like a homeowner and they had like a, a that they could stay for long periods of time and that they could do their own sort of minor renovations and things like that was is that oh yeah the case? yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, and, and that and that's the case right through germany right um um so i mean <laughs> More than 50% of the total population in Germany rents. Mm. Um, in Berlin, it's about 85%. Jeez. 
which is huge. Of the population rents. So, mm. so moves to protect or maintain tenant rights mm. are obviously um, <laughs> very strongly supported. So right. there's, there's, no, there's no problem as far as um, you know, electoral viability goes. Mm. Um, and it has long been the case um, that, um, well, <clears throat> leases are open-ended. Um, they used they used to have like ninety nine year leases uh, was a kind of a standard, um, and and now now it's just like indefinite. Mm. Um, but the point is that people cannot be evicted without a very good cause. Mm. So the two causes are one if the uh, the owner of the property wants to live there themselves and then they have to give a long period of notice um, and they have to help the tenant to find equipment accommodation wow. that, that, that is the responsibility of the owner of the apartment um, the the other um, um, condition uh, for, for for eviction or, or, or relocation is if the tenant is not paying their rent um, and even then, um, that can take a, like a year to to um, for the for the tenants to actually be legally required to mm. uh, to leave. So there are you know it has to go to court. There can be appeals, uh, and it's a it's a process that is um, taken very seriously. Um, so the consequence. Of, of, of that is number one, people tend to pay their rent mm. um, because uh, unless they're squatting, mm. um, and and of course one of the sort of great incentives to squat is that it is such a difficult process to um, to remove people legally, mm. um, which is an interesting uh, and I, and I, I think a, a very a very positive. Um, Aspect of of the Berlin housing of, of the German housing market and and, and in fact most European housing markets because it, it it recognizes that people need somewhere to live mm, exactly um, and, and and it recognizes the rights of squatters mm. um, as, as as people seeking um, shelter on, on that point, Kate. Um, therefore, uh, is there as much homelessness there as we have here? No way, no way. The the in fact, I don't know what the official figures are actually, but but the only homeless population that I'm aware of is oh, how to say this? Drug drug affected tourists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I don't think that there are I don't think that there are many German homeless people at all and, mm. and the and the and the homeless population is such that you see in in Berlin is kind of feral you know feral kids and crusties from God knows where um, who 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 <laughs> Who arrived in Berlin and got, and got way too high, mm. and you know, and, and lost their way. Um, There's so many <coughs> empty houses in Melbourne. I, th- I don't remember the exact number, but it's in the tens of thousands at least, right? I'm not sure if any of us no, know. It's heaps. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just imagine yeah. if yeah, people could take if people could go into those houses and live in them. I just think it's yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's tens of thousands, but but mm. but prosper, prosper Australia. Uh, does regular regular analyses of, of um, how many vacant properties there are, mm. and, and 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 yeah, they're, 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 it's pretty high. I think it might be getting up to ten thousand. Yeah. Um, so yes, in, in, indeed, there is there is there is a um, an incentive to totally in in Melbourne to squat um, from from the need side, but yeah. the problem is that the law yeah. uh, is much tougher here. Yeah. So. Yeah, so so, ba- so basically, we have a situation in Berlin where eighty five percent of the of, of, of people rent, um, and there is great support for tenant protections. Mm. So the German standard, which is that most people can regard their rental accommodation as as, as permanent, as mm. secure, uh, as long term, meaning that they can fit out their own kitchen. I mean, it's not uncommon for um, people to actually fit. fit 
the kitchen with their own stuff. Mm. And then if they're going to move, uh, like benches, stoves, dishwasher, mm. um, and if they move, if they do move, but it's not uncommon for them to take it with them. Mm. Um, <laughs> such, is, such is the expectation of, of longevity in, in, in tenure. Um, so, um, <clears throat> um, where am I going with this? So, so yes, yeah, so th- th- there is enormous support for tenant protections and there is um, support for, um, you know, what's it, illegal occupations. Mm. Um, in, in, in that, it is very difficult to get people out. All right, Kate, we'll have to wind it up there, unfortunately, because we've got another guest coming in talking about... Uh, talking about income, in fact, um, mm-hmm. security, but uh, income security. Um, but uh, we look, I do want to talk to you at some stage soon. We'll get back to it about the move to build to rent, which is becoming big time with big oh, yeah. developers. And um, yeah. they, they want to do it with lots of lots of government money, of course, uh, to help yeah. them out. But uh, we'll yeah, again, just but yeah, just on that build, build, build to rent. It's funny, isn't it? How, how um, um, Definitions and practices change across um, different, you know, um, national and and and, uh, and jurisdictional contexts. In Berlin, in Germany, build to rent is is almost invariably specifically affordable, mm-hmm. um, which is why it's kind of got this sort of good feeling, um, you know, about it. But it is starting to be used in uh, Australia. Uh, as anything but affordable. Absolutely, so, and it's a, the big companies, and in fact, they're also getting for well, one one mob. In fact, got 125 million from the uh, Clean Energy Finance Corporation, uh, which could have well gone to public housing. But anyway, mm. look, we'll come back to that, Kate. We'll get back to you very shortly on right, this one because right. it's worth talking about. Yeah. yeah lovely. Okay. okay. Thanks, Kate. Time. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Kate. Kate Shaw, who, mm. who of course is up at Melbourne in the planning department. I think it's planning department. Yes, and um, our next guest is Steve. We'll just um, have a little break and we'll be back in a minute with Steve McAfee. Underneath the ground at the Olympic Dam mine, there is an old sleepy lizard. BHP is mining right into that lizard named Kulta and it's not so sleepy anymore. The old frog and lizard, I really know... The lizard returns protestable 2020. Uncle Kev is putting out the call. This is an invitation to all people and protectors of the land and waters to get involved in the creation of Autonomous Zone as we move for peace and justice. BYO, your own creative response to the nuclear industry and BHP's water theft. Keep an eye on the Lizard Revenge page on Facebook or check out our website for history and info and updates on the lizardbitesback.net. The Lizard Returns Protestable, the 3rd to the 6th of July, Arabana Country. See you there. A 3CR supporter. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. All right, we're back on City Limits on 3CR, um, or you might be listening as a podcast via your... Oh, we're back on City Limits on 3CR, and 
Um, Karina's doing such a good job today. We love her and we're so glad she's here. She's here. She's doing the panel. Thank you, Karina. So we've had some like various technical difficulties over the morning. But um, you're listening to City Limits and it's 3CR and it's also available on your podcast app or on 3cr.org.au. And we're joined in the studio by Steve and Catherine from Basic Income Australia. Mm-hmm. That's, That's great. right. Yep. Great. So let's start. If, if one of you could tell us about what Basic Income Australia is. I'll let you start. Yeah. Well, basically we're a group of just regular Australian sort of people who are um, interested in getting a, um, a universal basic income implemented in Australia. Okay, so t- then the next question is, what is universal, what is the basic, universal basic income? income? Yeah. <laughs> right, well, income, um, it's basically getting paid by uh-huh. someone. Yeah. Uh, basic, you're supposed to cover your basic needs, so food, water, shelter. Just listening to you guys now, talking about the rent situation. Exactly, yeah. And then uh, universal, basically, is it gets paid to everyone, irrespective of employment status, whether you're a property owner or a, uh, a renter or, or whatever. And there are a lot of uh, observed benefits of, of doing that. Um, one of the things we're um, pushing this year is uh, some the research that's been done uh, around the world. There's a, an organization called BN, Basic mm-hmm. Income Earth Network. And they have a big uh, conference up at the end of the year um, in September. Where and then our own talk tomorrow And our night. own talk, <laughs> yes, tomorrow night. Um, and we've actually got a, a couple of other talks uh, scheduled for this year. So the the big one tomorrow is, um, for us, is just talking sort of an introductory sort of thing. So if you're interested in this sort of thing, uh, feel free to come along. It is at uh, Electron the Electron Workshop, workshop at 31 August Street in North Melbourne. Yeah. Something like that. 6 p.m. tomorrow? Yeah. 6 p.m. Yeah. We'll give it a plug at the end anyway. Yeah. I, 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 I take it the basic income you're talking about would be a touch higher than the dole. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, the number we usually recommend is based on what's called the Henderson Poverty Line, mm-hmm. which is uh, calculated by ACOS, the Australian... Uh, Council on Council Social, Social, Social Sciences. Sciences. Of course, yes. of course yes. he says we. I suggest a higher one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great than well, that. That's, that co- is supposed to cover the basic expenses. That's yeah. that's where that comes from. Mm. So, and that's about four hundred dollars a week. And as uh, we've recently found out, uh, the dole is on uh, only about what three hundred and a bit less. Yes. Mm. So yes, and of course, so just over a hundred years ago now, that Justice Higgins brought in the concept of the basic wage in Australia, mm-hmm. um, which these days, though, I think what might be called the basic wage really is almost not enough for people to live on. No, it's not. Were then, so. it, it, it's not enough. And, and uh, people need uh, sufficient not only for their basics, but also to have political power. Mm. Right? If you have too much of a rich-poor divide, I mean, money is power in this case. Um, the, uh, people with great wealth can contribute to uh, political campaigns. So who is your politician answerable to then? to their their electorate or to the people who gave them the money that made it possible for them to have power from their electorate. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, surely that uh, that sort of leads on to the question of, um, you know, objections to the universal basic income, which obviously that's not in the favour of uh, how things are happening right now. So what kind of responses do you get from people in terms of... Um, you know, feeling uh, apprehensive about the idea of a universal basic income. On this radio station, I get to crack out a little bit <laughs> because there are people who think of this as being right-wing and on occasion because they've heard people like Elon Musk support it. Now, Elon Musk is a mad hatter, so I don't know if you'd call him left or right at all. Yeah. But, but my position is is that we need to transition into a sustainable economy and fast. And to do this, you need safety nets because no one's going to want to do it without the safety net. If you're wanting to close down petrol stations, if you're wanting to close down oil production and and coal, then people have to know they can still pay their rent, that they can still get their kids to school, all the things they usually have. All right, if you have something like a universal basic income, you can close those industries down and people know they're okay as they go to the new jobs. Uh, so that's and so I feel that's that's critical and it, that's not the only area that we could do shifting. Also, we could have more time with babies, you know, as far as paternity leave and maternity leave. 
we could have uh, more money there, there for investigative journalism, right, to keep our, our government in line. Uh, there's, there's just a whole raft of things that, that could be done to create a more just and environmental society. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because a lot of people say society can't afford it. Um, answer to that. Oh, I'd say we can't afford not to. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. um, I can get into that a bit more deeply. Uh, a few years ago, I um, did a lot of research on economics. So I wrote a book uh, in 2017 called Zero Sum Economics, which is basically about money flow mm -hmm. in the economy. Uh, and one of the things I found was that uh, if you implemented a basic income, it would actually stop recessions occurring. Basically, because everyone's always got enough cash, uh, it's not being completely drained away by uh, corporate profits or business profits, um, people can actually continue to buy things all of the time. Um, and the other thing uh, we can talk about is from the business perspective um, or, you know, property owners and things. You were talking about renting in your last segment. Um, the property owners would also be getting paid a basic income. And that takes the pressure off them getting money out of the people they're renting to. Mm. So then your rent increases don't need to be as significant or at all. Mm. Um, it's an interesting point because one of the mm. criticisms I've heard, I mean, um, is that um, any, any income will be sort of like eaten up by capitalism. You know, like if you get this much more than the dole, for example, then your rent goes up this much more or something like that. So, Okay. The thing is, is... It's odd because people say, how will you pay for this? And you go, tax the rich. You go, oh, that'll never happen. And you're going, no, we need to tax the rich. And mm. we really need people going out at every single election right now and asking your politicians, will you tax the rich? And the only answer is yes. If they say anything less than that, if they, they fud, you know, fuddle around a bit and such, you go, no, nope, not voting for you because this is crazy how we keep on giving them tax breaks. And then it makes it very easy for the talking points on the right to be, ha, how would we ever pay for a UBI? And I'm going, when you think about the fact that we have billionaires all joking about who's going to be a trillionaire, and Jeff Bezos is awfully darn close, mm. it wouldn't even take a trillion to give you know, at least 20,000 to every single Australian. And yet we have billionaires here in this country. We've got Rupert Murdoch, though he, of course, became a U.S. citizen. Yes, he's on the Australia. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to escape all of that. <laughs> and, and certainly doesn't try, doesn't try to interfere in our politics either. But Rio Tinto yeah. is based here and the various other major Tinto, corporations. Yeah, yeah, they're all yeah. here. But you talk about tax breaks, Catherine, but also over and above those, there's so many massive subsidies that go to big business yep. that really they oughtn't get. I mean, if they That's believe, it. if they truly believe in market forces, then, <laughs> then go out and do it yourself. And if you can't do it, bad luck. Yeah. yeah. Let yeah. it fold. Yeah. Yeah. And the amount of money going to the military right now, they, they mm. genuinely don't know what to do with it. Mm. Yeah. So there was a study um, that The Guardian talked about recently about... Um, quite the other end of the spectrum, which was the basics card, which is basically quarantine oh, people. Indu. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. 76% um, of participants said that they didn't have enough um, cash mm -hmm. and that um, most of them, um, the majority of people didn't have a problem with spending or budgeting, but the, their problem was that they didn't have enough income support. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, yeah the support's just not there in the, in the, in the government. Yes. I mean, the whole capitalist argument about UBI is, is that you now we give people this money and they will just go spend it on frivolous things, you know, fill the world with plastic and that sort of thing. But I'm sitting there going, mm. the people making that argument are already already buying the plastic and making the plastic anyway. <laughs> yeah, and they're sitting there going, so so do we just abandon the poor in order to make sure they don't spend money on the wrong thing? Mm. I mean, this is the argument for not giving more money to our indigenous peoples. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's very parochial. Uh, and the research has shown that uh, that doesn't happen. Um, people no. actually spend the money on what they need. Yes, yeah. not on food and shelter yeah. and exactly. education. Mm. education and yeah. 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 How, how much support health. are you getting from the political spectrum? 
very little interest in general. Well, but I mean, there's a scattering of politicians around. Yeah. Who are well, interested a parliamentary in democratic political spectrum, put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Libs no, Labour maybe a few individuals. Greens are kind of on board, but are really wanting to to press jobs guarantee, which is the Green New Deal. Mm. But the thing is, is there's nothing, it's not an either or, though it keeps on getting played as an either or. I think that the two really ought to be going hand in hand as they did in the original New Deal under Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But people seem to have forgotten that's how the original one worked. Yeah, It's um, gained a lot of momentum. Do you think the impact of Stephen Yang, the Democratic candidate in America, has Andrew had... Yang? Andrew Yang. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen. I, I'm not. I was never running for president. Has um, increased the profile of the idea of the universal Absolutely. basic income. Yes. Yeah. 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 No. Definitely, definitely. raised. Um, he's he's now out. Yeah. But yeah. I, I never worried too hard about that. I mean, really, it was. Boy, I hate putting it this way. It was a good marketing campaign yeah. <laughs> sure. for raising awareness. Yep. The only thing is, is he gives it, a again, a right-wing gloss. Mm. And I'm glad to have anybody wanting it, honestly, because I think it, we could use it for all kinds of things. Mm. We have had a number of people turn up at our group mm. who um, are right-wing, mm -hmm. and we try to keep our group, like, as I said, I'm here, so I'm being very free. Mm. Who are, we try to keep it very careful. To, so to be inclusive of, of that side of things. But what they want is dignity in in poverty. They don't want to go through the, the punitive system of Centrelink. Mm. They don't want to have absolute impoverishment held over their head if they don't jump through the hoops. And you sit there going, doesn't everyone feel that way? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, related to this also, I remember doing a Marxist philosophy course years and years ago. Um, in which it was um, pointed out that the new technology coming in would free people up from work and that you know you have to give a few hours a week to the good of society to, to produce what we need and we'd have so much leisure time and we needed to work on how to use that leisure time. But in fact, it's worked in reverse. People are working longer hours, yeah. etc. So, um, But there is a potential there for people to work lots less hours. And, and live with a reasonable income. Yes, yes, sure. absolutely. I mean, robotization, we have gotten down to 19 people uh, per job applying. Now, uh, when you go into a grocery store and you see those checkouts, self-checkouts, that's robotization. Mm. Right? Automation, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all <clears throat> over the place, and we already yeah. have it. We're already having a lower employment rate, which gets people scared, so they're willing to work longer hours, it's mm. it's a mm. it's a bit of a disaster. Yeah. Now it is entirely possible that we could work less hours, but I'm thinking what's more likely to happen is that we will work more meaningful hours and have more time. I hope to be more politically engaged. Mm. Uh, mm. That is a cultural thing that we would need to probably encourage, but it's one we need. Mm. Yes, the big finance companies and lawyers in particular are now being accused of of exploiting their junior labour and making them work exceedingly long hours and then charging massive fees for something the junior did anyway. Yeah, and, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. That's pretty normal. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll have to wind up in a minute, so I'll just um, uh, tell our listeners the details of your talk tomorrow. Um, Electron Workshop 31, Arden Street, North Melbourne. Um, and that's uh, 6 p.m. until 7.30 p.m. Yeah, so yeah. we're hoping to organise snacks and free food for everyone who shows up. So It's <laughs> <laughs> always a good way to go. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, bribery here. <laughs> so, uh, the thank UBI you. of snacks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to you both for coming on the show. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you for having us. And good yeah. luck with it all. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Good luck to Thanks. everyone, yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.